Wow. You know, uh, th- these guys are singing, and they're, they've got their story, you know, of how bad we need each other. But honestly, I, don't, I can't think of a single person here in this room that that isn't more true of than me. When we started this church 20, 29 years ago next month, I'd been living with chronic back pain. And from basically uh, the mid-1980s until 1997, I spent years of my life in bed with chronic back spasms. Couldn't even get out to go to the bathroom. And we had this dream to start this church. But it was never going to happen with me. And God was going to make sure that whatever happened with Kensington, that there would be nothing that I could personally take credit for which really ticks me off. <laughs> but it was true because I was so broken along the way and have been at many different instances. And so as they were singing the trials of the day, there's signs along the way of how bad we need each other. Like this is what the power of God is revealed in. This is what John 17, this is what Danny and I are talking about tonight is that when we come together in the name of Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean we agree on everything, that everything is perfect, but that we are united on mission to see Jesus glorified in the world. What we just experienced the last 20 minutes was like a mega dose of that. I'd like to buy that and put it in a bottle for me. I was reminded of that this past April. Uh, A lot of my guys uh, from Man Up Israel, quite a few of the guys are here tonight. You're right? Got my guys right here. There was eight, 19 of us that walked. Uh, it was really a, a walking tour of, of big chunks of uh, Israel and Palestine. And it was unbelievable. And these guys know this. But that trip reignited some of my dormant passion for Jesus. Like I'd been caught up in other stuff. And all of a sudden I'm with you guys. And Jesus was waking me up again in a really powerful way. And there was one particular day we were outside Nazareth, and it was the longest walk we did. I don't know, it was James, six, seven miles. We, these guys just, loved, just we were enjoying each other, but it got long. And um, it was up and down along the way, and with about two miles to go, my knees were really hurting. And uh, I humbled myself and asked a couple of the young guys who... Uh, they are vertically challenged, but their shoulders were at the perfect height for me to lean on them the last two miles. And so we're up and down, and you guys know, all you old people know, man, when you're going downhill, you know, your knees kill you, and these guys care. But here's what happened. The path went up and down, and we walked for probably, probably an hour together, and we shared our lives, Jeremiah, Suzera right here, Jake Sims and I, we, it was just one of the many moments, but we shared our whole lives together for an hour. And it came because I was weak. It came because it was how bad do we need each other? So I'm not just saying this. I am pleading with us tonight to move into a new place of living where we live in dependence on each other and where we enjoy each other. Like, I have loved music all my life. We dreamed about starting a church with beautiful music. And little did I know that God was going to give me Mark Nelson and Callie and Dave Wilson and all these incredible music. And then this group here tonight, 
This is unimaginable. And I thought, this is the picture of what life is meant to be, and I love this scripture. It's not listed, but I want you to write it down for the, how many of you are going to take notes tonight? Okay, good, about 11 of you, super. Glad we, <laughs> glad we put that program out for you. No, take, write this down. I want you to look at this later because you'll forget it. Psalm 133.1, how good and pleasant it is when brothers, or in, I love this in IV, when God's people live together in unity. Jeremiah, what you and Jake and I experienced for that hour was one of the most beautiful experiences of unity in my whole life. I'll never forget that. As long as I got a brain in my head that's working. At the same time, we share our lives that God wants us in unity in our families, our marriages, and in following Jesus with our whole hearts. And that's what happened that day. That's what's been happening for all of my adult life as I've followed Christ. This past year, I was reignited by this idea, and I'm gonna show you a little video clip in about 15 minutes, about the power of unity around a shared mission. It was built around the bestseller, The Boys in the Boat. Let me just ask, has anybody read this book? Can I just see a show of hands? Beautiful, because only like just a few of you. So you don't know this story. This story was overshadowed by Jesse Owens. And he showed up Hitler in, in Germany in 1936 Olympics in probably the greatest athletic and human achievement of, of, of kind of a later history of Jesse Owens facing down all the evil malevolent power of the world and faced it and won. It's an amazing story. So we didn't ever hear about this other story of the boys in the boat. And I'm gonna tell you about that in just a minute. But as I read this book, it reminded me again that there's nothing more powerful than when people come together and they're unified on a mission that's worth their lives. And for us, it's seeing the Lord Jesus Christ lifted above all things. There's nothing more beautiful or more worthwhile for the world to know than that Jesus loved them and, and, and gave himself for them, every person we meet. So let's be real. As a country, we've never been more disunited. Public discourse has never been more poisonous. It is unbelievable what people say about each other. Any, with Dave and Ann Wilson, we're, we're, we're doing blogs and people were reading. Dave, Dave one day was thinking, I'm just going to read one of these blogs and see what people say. And he learned that day, you can't do that. You step in and read the responses to a blog you write, it's like wallowing in vomit up to your neck. No, I'm, I'm serious because that's where people are living. We have an opportunity to unite people around the love of Christ to lay our lives down for our friends and to lay our lives down for our enemies. This is what we get to do. This is what followers of Jesus do. And I, I, I thought about this. What is harder than people joining together in unity? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing's harder. Let me ask you, what's the hardest thing in a marriage? Unity. You know, it's taken Paula almost 40 years to realize I'm right about everything. <laughs> no, of course, you know that's not true. But unity is about give and take. It's a constant environment of forgiving each other in our flaws and our weaknesses. And most people never get to true unity because it's too hard. Because we don't want, in unity, it means you're gonna live life with people and they're gonna expose your blind spots. And nobody likes that. That is just so creepy. When people come together in unity, this is where the power of Jesus is most revealed. 
And I just want to, I want to say this as I want to teach you just for a second about unity. I want to give this overarch to the whole night. And that is this. We're not here to give easy answers or to say unity is ever perfect. It's not going to be on this planet. People I love most in the world, I've had the strongest disagreements with. I have people that I love with all my heart, and they love me with all my heart, and we see, see the world differently on so many things. But we are united on this one thing, this one person, Jesus Christ. And when we start to connect, God uses us to do the impossible. And I'm going to talk about the Kensington movement for a minute. But I also want you to think about your marriage and your family, your small group, where you serve. Jim, celebrate recovery, where you're pouring into those guys there. It's every place where God is leading you, your, your, your parking lot team, your usher greeter team, you know, the K kids. Think about what unity looks like. For Kensington, it started 32 years ago. Mark Nelson and Dave Wilson and I working out at Pro Fitness Center at the, at the, the southeast corner of Tinkin and Rochester Road. That's when we got big. We should have talked less and lifted more. <laughs> we dreamed about a church for unchurched people, and God united our hearts. That very next year, Wally Hostetter, who was our mentor and our empower, our releaser at Faith Church, he took me on our, my first door-knocking adventure to engage unchurched people. And you guys know that I did 2,000 doors over the course of about a year and a half, and it was totally humiliating Housewives would talk to me through the crack in the door with the chain pulled across. I'd be like, hey, want to come to my church? <laughs> click, <laughs> click, 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 you know. <sighs> it's crazy. But you know what I learned? I learned that people thought that even going to church was ludicrous because it didn't seem like it was made any sense to their life because no one had taken the time to, in a sense, any way express to them how beautiful Jesus was or the love that was possible. And for me, that was an excruciating time. And I thought, would Jesus use us because we were so weak, we were poor, we were inexperienced. We started, the original 40 people, before we even launched, Three of our core team, all three of them were in, the, in their 20s, died. Two of cancer and one in a car accident. Another one of our core team members was arrested for an irregularity in his business. I mean, we had, we, I didn't have a car that worked. Dave had to drive me to church and to work. We were a powerful group of people. <laughs> but what we had and what we still have is a unity around a common mission to see Jesus move in the world. And I want to tell you, it involved a lot of honest moments. There was an early point about four months into the church where I, I gave like three bad messages in a row. And Pete Vanderhars, who was one of our original core team members, and you talk about commitment to mission, Pete said, Steve, you're going to need a portable church guy. He was working for Arthur Anderson Consulting and Engineering. He says, you're, you're going to need... You're going to need uh, an engineer and a portable guy, and I'm your guy. He says, I'm going to need $1,000 a month. You need to find me a place to live. And he goes, and here's a check for $12,000. That was our first 
unplanned staff person. <laughs> and Pete came up to me after one a particularly bad message. You can do this tonight if you want. Make me feel good. He goes, Steve, I just want to tell you, if you keep preaching like this, we're not going to have any problems. <laughs> we're not going to have any parking problems. We're not going to have any money problems. We're not going to have any seating, no crowding problems, no kid problems. We're going to have no problems at all. And then he just turned and walked away. <laughs> but here's what I will say about unity. Unity on mission allows people to tell the truth to each other. And God gives us the grace to hear that truth from each other. I always told this to people. I said, if someone says, you're a, something like a donkey. <laughs> if one person tells you that, you know, I wouldn't worry about it. But if two people tell you that, you should think about it. And if three people who love you tell you that, you need to go buy a saddle. That's what I was taught in those early years. Because unity comes around going through the tunnel of chaos with people. Mark Nelson and I have been working through some stuff the last few years, and we shared with our staff earlier this year, we said, listen, stuff that we're working on that we've struggled with, we can't even tell you what it is right now because we're working on it. That's, that to me is real. That's real stuff. Recently, uh, as a group, the elders, we reconfirmed that our shared mission is still what drives us. This mission that, that we began with that said, Jesus left the 99 to find the one. Will we do that? We, will we give up our own preferences? Will we pursue? Will we give our lives? And what I see tonight is people that are doing that. Along these 32 years, since Dave and Mark and I should have been lifting weights and weren't, Jesus brought us people who were so far from Jesus. And along the way, he brought you. And every one of you has made us better. Every one of you has enriched our lives. And I could sit down and talk to you and explain to you how what you bring is unique to us that makes us more than we could ever be without you. And even as we've released thousands of people to start other churches and to do other things, Every time we open our arms and release to God's power, something amazing is God is doing, and we can't even quantify it. And so as I think about this, I just want to say not only are we united on mission, but God has called us to be a family on mission, right? That's part of our core value in this journey. And I want to say this. We are, and I, put, I didn't put this in notes, but I put it in all caps in my notes. We are a very imperfect family on mission. This is... <laughs> I haven't said this in a long time to, to a larger gathering. If you're new, you never heard this, but I tell you, are you sure you're screwed up enough to be a part of this community? <laughs> because that was what, we, we weren't perfect. We were broken. Here I am, the guy leading it, and I can't even, for months at a time, get out of bed and go use the bathroom. That's what it was like. And yet God brought great people at every turn, and he brought you. And we had fun along the way. I, I'll say this as an aside. I still hope that even as we become more, uh, as we embrace the world, that we can still embrace silliness and joy and humor as a gift from God. That, 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 that we have a, a Savior who invites us not to take things so seriously. You know? In the last few days, 
I've just been blown away. Every time I, I just think about a week at Kensington, I, I watched Andy Donnelly organize a golf outing that raised, thou, raised thousands of dollars for, for clean water for the Pocot in Jesus' name and his family totally in it with him. I prayed with Bob Cobal this week who was planning to start his 26th year as a volunteer in Kensington Kids this fall. But instead, he's battling leukemia at Royal Oak Beaumont. Guys, 26 years in the kids' department. Just past this past Sunday, Danny interviewed John and Jerry Crawford that came on the third week of, second or third week of Kensington and have served for 29 years. This is amazing. I watched our field and stream team throw an impromptu party at Bald Mountain for 100 people to shoot shotguns at clay, at clay, whatever. <laughs> and you know what? I spent most of my evening, I had a great time talking to three young Chinese men who've just come to Oakland University. And they're in this group, and they couldn't believe they were shooting shotguns, first of all. <laughs> but they were connected because somebody had connected them through International Oasis, you know, which my son-in-law started in the team. And I just thought, here I am sitting at Ball Mountain on a beautiful night with three young guys who've just come from the other side of the earth who are looking around going, twilight zone. <laughs> You know, I did weddings for three Kensington young people this summer of whom I remember the day they were born in this church. All three of them marrying spouses who love Jesus and committing to radically follow Jesus with their lives. I just thought it never ends. And here tonight in the room, there's people like Brooke Simmons and Alyssa Waddell who are leading the House of Hope move out team. In the Orient Lakes Estates Mobile Home Park, Jerry Dash, who's leading the prison community, community move-out team. Marilyn Dean is leading the Oakland Hills Community Garden team. I've got fresh-picked, what do you call the little baby tomatoes? What is it? I can't even hear you. I'm deaf. Sorry for I Forget it. Uh, uh, but it's amazing. And they, they're, they're giving thousands of pounds of food to people. Uh, I just met tonight uh, uh, Scott Huller and Tom Reyes, who are leaders for Ponty Acts of Kindness. Just I feel so undeserving to be among people that just, you're working during the week, you're laying, and, and when you're not working, you're laying your life down for people at work and outside of work. I could keep going all night. But here's what I want to say. Every one of us who's here tonight, including you 27 in, 26 interns, Every one of us is here to give our lives for the mission of Jesus in the world for another season. Like, we're, we're not talking the next 20 years, but we're talking this year we get to serve God. I'm, I'm taking a group to Nepal in three weeks. And, and uh, we're going shoot to the, shoot the story about the all-women women banking collectives that Ramesh has started all over Nepal that's changing the way communities live and exist and empower young women and older women and give them a voice and give them security, ending domestic violence as well as bringing Christ. This is, this is what we get to be a part of. So with all of that, I want to just give you some foundational truths that hold us together. And then Danny, Danny's going to build on this. These are the foundational truths. Number one, we're always going to live out our identity as beloved sons and daughters. We're going to operate out of security that God the Father delights over us. You're taking notes, write down 1 John 3, 1, look at it later. See what great love 
that the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. This is our identity. Nothing can take this away. This is what the world needs to hear. Secondly, we really believe in the priesthood of all believers. I have asked people for 29 years, do not call me pastor. You know why? Because when you call me pastor, it, it lets you off the hook. God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. He gave all these gifts to the body. Call each other brothers and sisters in Christ. Because here's what I want you to know. 1 Peter 2, mark it down. Look at it later. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. I don't have this in the notes, but I want you to write it down because I wrote it in all caps. <laughs> and I mean this. And I'm willing to fight over this. If I could get this into your heart and into your brain. We are all equally on mission. Let's say it together. We are all equally on mission for Christ. Don't, don't look at Dave Wilson. Oh, Dave, you're so special. He is. <laughs> Jalen Seawright tonight, this team, are they special? Wow, yes. Let me tell you, you are just as special. There are, what God is doing through you. He's not going to do through anybody else. That's part of the unity of our mission together. We are not and never will be into elevating believers. When the time comes for me to not be the leader of this church anymore, we're not having the big hoopla, if I can help it, if I know it's coming. By the way, I've never gotten a standing ovation. You can do that at the end of this meeting. No, you can't because it won't count. <laughs> I want to tell you another truth. We depend and abide in Jesus as our only source of strength. John 15 says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. And you know this is one of my life themes. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. We're doing this and we know that we, this is not us. This is Jesus when we allow Jesus to flow through us. And then this last thing that really, that really holds us together is we are held together. Oh, no, hang on. I missed one. The love we give to the world comes completely from God's love for us first. Love that. Our mission is for every person to know that it all comes from him. And then finally, when I'm thinking about what holds us foundationally together, unified, we hold together because he is at our center. Colossians 1 said that Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, what? All things hold together. I think that was Danny Cox's first great song as a believer in Jesus Christ. And Dan Banstra thought the same thing. If you guys remember, uh, that's an inside joke, not funny. Okay, great. So, in The Boys in the Boat, back to that, Daniel James describes this incredible story of teamwork. Al Albrechtson became the coach at the University of Washington 
1927 at the age of 24. And he dreamed of creating a rowing crew that could be world champions. And in 1936, he took the University of Washington National Championship rowing team to Berlin in the Olympic Games. Again, that were made most famous by Jesse Owens, which is still my favorite maybe athletic story of the last hundred years or so. And they raced in the gold medal. They, they, were, they were cheated and put in the bad lane out in the wind, and they still won. That's, that's not the tension. I don't want you to feel the tension, but I want to tell you what was behind it because the principles that Al Albertson used to lead this team to the gold medal, I think are the principles we've always been committed to. Only we have a foundation of Jesus Christ to think about it. But before I share this principle with you, I want you to see the 1936 gold medal Olympic team from the University of Washington. Take a look. It's a very interesting sight yeah. to be here and describe this to you. The Washington crew is probably the slowest starting crew in the world. It gives everybody heart failure. The crowd is already chanting Deutschland, Deutschland, Deutschland. They don't actually hear the call of the start of their race. The Washington crew had a horrible start. Horrible. They were thrashing. I can see that Italy is leading, Germany is second, Switzerland third. They were a quarter way through the race, and they were behind the field. They were facing the wind and the chop. Suddenly, Don Hume seemed to go into a trance. The American crew appears to be fairly well in the rear. Don Hume hasn't been responding to Bobby Mock's calls to him to pick up the rate. Bobby Mock knew that if something didn't change, everything was lost. The United States dragging along, not in the first three. Suddenly, Don Hume pops his head up and starts rowing beautifully, and the boat explodes forward. Within a thousand meters, they started to move back on the field. Washington crew is driving hard on the outside of the court. There were people screaming down on them. It must have been absolutely deafening. Nobody could hear him, even Don Hume couldn't hear him 15 inches in front of him with a megaphone. He did the only thing he could, which was start whacking on the side of the shell. He could go There was not one length difference between the first five crews. They had to fight and claw and drag that boat. The United States is in front with 50 meters to go. It was a total gut check. 40 meters to go, they have half a boat length on Italy. Wow, it's an amazing story. So the whole time they're racing, all they can hear is tens of thousands, tens and tens of thousands 
of Germans shouting Deutschland and, and Adolf Hitler standing on the platform and the Germans had won all the smaller crew races of the day except think one Italian. And at first, uh, he thought Germany won. But you could tell it was about five feet difference. And when he realized that the United States had won, instead of staying to deliver the gold medal, he stormed off the platform and vanished. That was what, what happened on that day. But here's just, there, there's so many nuances to the story. The one, they said the one guy, when he, you saw him fall back in the boat, he had had a terrible virus. They had didn't, did not decide that he was going to row until about 30 minutes before the race because he had lost 15 pounds in the last week with this horrible virus. He was sick. And so, but he, here's, here's what struck me about this. And this is what I want to share with you as we finish. Al Albrechtson, written by Daniel James Brown, Al had this vision, and this was the vision, the principle. So you can read it with me. As he was looking at all these young boys at the University of Washington, he said, somewhere among them, those green and untested boys lay much of the stock from which he would have to select a crew capable of going all the way. Now think about the world of professional sports. Can you imagine a group of 19 and 20 and 21-year-old boys winning the gold medal? Impossible. And it's interesting, the Italian and German crews were much older men, trained, been training for, much different, much like professional athletes. He goes, the trick would be to find which few of them had the potential for raw power, the nearly superhuman stamina, the indomitable willpower, and the intellectual capacity necessary to master the details of technique. And which of them, coupled improbably with all these other qualities, had the most, don't, don't switch it yet, had the most important quality. And this next quality you're going to see is the quality that to me has made the last 29 years so special. It describes you to me. It describes this journey to me. It describes our elders. It describes the men and women I started the church with. It describes the people that have come tonight to serve. This is the quality. The ability to disregard his own ambitions, to throw his ego over the gunnel, to leave it swirling in the wake of his shell, and to pull not just for himself, not just for glory, but for the other boys in the boat. To me, it's one of the greatest quotes of my life. When I read it, I thought, this is what I have always wanted to be. I wanted us to reach people for Christ. I did not. None of us wanted to have notoriety. We didn't. We wanted to be normal people. And here's what I love about these boys. I, want to just, I just want to dissect this quote to you a little bit. These eight boys that you saw that were the rowing, and then the ninth boys, the boy calling the pace, the little guy. They were so unlikely in the eyes of the world. They came from the University of Washington, but they were all poor. They had all faced tragedy. Joe Rance's daughter was interviewed there. Joe, when he was 13 years old, his father and his stepmother loaded their car, took his two or three younger step-siblings, and they were walking out to the car, and his dad says, no, no, Joe, you're staying here, and left him alone in a home in rural Washington at age 13 to fend on his own. That's what life was like for these kids, these young guys. Most of them had no safety net of support, but they were the men who had 
these qualities. Young men overlooked by everyone. Here's the direct correlation. It goes right to the original disciples that Jesus chose. It goes right to the women who were Jesus' followers at the beginning. The men and women were all unlikely. Let's say that together. They were all what? <laughs> unlikely. There are so many of you that are unlikely. When Bill and Ann Eames were our first missionaries to South Africa, that people that actually, after Kyle and Lisa Neighbors, actually, another unlikely pair, I might add. Bill was a recovering 30-year alcoholic out of the Vietnam War, divorced, and same thing, broken family, and was a writer of Harlequin romance novels. That was the, now that's the missionaries. Because <laughs> this is what God does, right, Dom? God's taken all of you, and you're all the same. We're all the same. People overlooked, and Jesus goes, no, I see you as having Unbelievable potential in my power. Now, I wrote a blog about this, and I've studied this, and I, you know, I'm taking a little liberty with this, but I want to say about the original 12 disciples. Peter and Andrew were low-class fishermen. James and John, by their description, were ruffians. They were the guys out there bullying people and picking fights. Bart was probably a rich boy. Philip was a bleeding heart. Nathaniel was a cynic and a, a guy that loved sarcasm. Matthew was a sellout. Thaddeus was a violent nationalist, probably. Simon was a zealot ready to kill for the nation of Israel. Thomas was a doomsayer, and Judas was a rat fink. And what does this mean? What does this mean? It means we all get to be his disciples. <laughs> Mary Magdalene had seven spirits. Whoa. This is the material Jesus uses. So I just want to think about these five qualities. And I want you to think about as a person who has the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. Sent by the Father, requested by Jesus, by the risen Jesus. We have the potential for raw power. We do. We're just like those Washington rowers. Look at what Philippians 4 says. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I tell you, the Washington crew boys would have known this, would have understood this. And then he goes, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. We have unlimited potential for power in Christ. And the weaker we are, Paul says in Corinthians, the more power we get to experience. So you just got to get weak. Go lay in bed for a month. You're going to be ready. <laughs> Think about your most debilitating weakness. It's the opportunity for the greatest strength of Jesus to be represented in your life. Secondly, nearly superhuman stamina. Where does our stamina come from that allows us to journey this mission together? 2 Corinthians 4 says we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away. I'm one of the few people the last 29 years that hasn't wasted it at all. A lot of you guys have gotten old on me. I've stayed youthful, amazing. That's not even really, you're not even laughing. It's not funny. Yeah. You go back, go back and look at pictures. We, you see it. It says, but inwardly, we're being renewed day by day for our light 
and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory. That was the verse that C.S. Lewis used in the greatest sermon he ever wrote. Maybe the greatest thing he ever wrote. A small sermon that he preached on BBC Radio during World War II called The Weight of Glory. Incredible. Go find it. Look it up. Google it. PDF it. It'll be right there for you. But he's saying, our strength comes from an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. This is our superhuman stamina. Indomitable willpower. How do we prepare this question of giving our all to him? As I was with these guys in Israel, I realized that what we had in common was that we had all made mistakes in our life. We'd all wandered. We'd all had addictions and brokenness. But God was calling us to radically follow him. And that encouragement of doing it together, that when you do it together, there's a power. When you do it alone, you're just going to fall and crash. But when you do it with others, when you fall and crash, they lift you up. Beautiful. 1 Corinthians 9. This is Dave Wilson's life passage. First time I ever heard him preach at Faith Church 32 years ago. This was his passage. Everyone who competes in the games, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I want you to think about your own willpower, that Jesus Christ can give you a will that cannot be stopped. And then I say, and then you join in with that. If you're doing something that is weakening you and diminishing you and stopping you from serving Jesus with a whole heart. Share it with trusted friends. You hear me? Don't live that secretly. Bring it into the light of trusted friends and to say, let me throw that off because I do not want to be disqualified for the prize of being Jesus' disciple and serving him to the end of my life. Number four, the intellectual capacity necessary to master the details of technique. What is our technique? Romans 12, look at verse two. It says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Skip down to verse two. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you get your mind renewed? By letting the scripture wash over you by the, the advice and the insights of trusted people who love Jesus. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then finally, and I'm done, the most important one. The, the ability to disregard your own ambitions. I really think this is the only thing that stops people. We've said it, you know, we have a church planning collaboration. The churches in this region now that we weren't co collaborating 30 years ago, hundreds of churches, hundreds and hundreds of churches are working together now. And you know what, what all, the, all, the, all the leaders say? It says, it's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. Think of life remodeled. And I, I was going to share the team that leads our life remodeled move out team from here, but and the faith works guys that what you've accomplished, and no one's going to write a book about you, you guys, but it doesn't matter because we don't care. We're doing it for the glory of Christ. And let me share this great verse. Just soak this in. John the Baptist is getting ready to be beheaded, his life is going to end miserably. He's going to even end it in doubt because he's going to send messengers of his followers. They're going to go find Jesus and they're going to say, hey, John the Baptist is getting ready to, he's in bad shape. And he just wanted us to come to say, are you really the Messiah or not? He's stuck in a, in a, in a dungeon. 
But he like, I want to know, is it real? And Jesus says, you go back and tell him what you've seen. That the lame walk and the blind see and the deaf hear, you know, and the, and the, the prisoners are released. I mean, it's like, you, you just tell him what you saw because I am the Messiah. And so he writes this, he must become greater, I must become less. Let's read this one out loud. Let's just commit to this together in unity. He must become greater. Yeah, wouldn't that be amazing? Because that's what builds unity. Nothing shatters a team like selfishness and self-centeredness. Nothing builds a team like self-forgetfulness. Jesus gave up every right to reach us, invites us to lay down our lives for each other. When I hear, when I look at what you're doing for the cause of justice, for the poor, for the strangers, for the special, for all the ministries that you guys are doing, it's a, it's a beauty and an honor to Jesus Christ. It lifts him even higher as King of kings and Lord of lords. So here's how I wanna finish. I wanna finish with a visual. It's a little bit like Red Rover if you're old enough. But one of our core values has always been understanding that we were loved by God and that we love others because of his love first for us, but we also talked about locking arms. That's what it means to be in unity on a shared mission. We lock arms. We've done that for years and years and years. And um, some of you might be sitting next to people that you don't know. Don't be creepy. <laughs> but in just a second, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. I'm going to ask the interns to come up here with some of our campus leaders and directors. Just, and we're going to lock arms, okay? And, um, and I want us to come across the aisles, let, let the lock arms come up onto the stage, but as a visual witness of the power of when you join together with people. You have courage, you have strength when you falter. You literally, if you lock arms, the person in between two other people could faint and collapse, and the other two people could still hold them up. That's the image of the, where the power of Jesus Christ reflected through unity of shared mission. And then we're gonna pray a vision for this, just this next ministry season that we be unified on mission together. So stand, lock arms, staff, interns, come on up. Give it a yell, give it a shout, all right. Let's do it. Somebody, right here. Come on, come like you mean it, let's go. <laughs> all right, find somebody. Come on, come in tight. Here, come right here. Come up front. Come up tight. You know, um, I, uh, I just want to confess, I, I should have used deodorant tonight because I've been sweating up here. Hey, I just, I just gave everything I had. I just, I just gave it all. That was, that was good. Okay. So... Uh, this is it. Okay, stop. Stop. Just stop. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus said, all the world will know that I am he because you have love for one another. And you know what that means? That means we love each other even though we irritate the snot out of each other. It's real. We, we get in each other's way. We have different ideas of how it should be done. 
But underneath it all, what, what, what is the most powerful thing? Because I tell you, anybody can be cynical. You know, cynicism is pure death. That's all it is. You're just waiting to die. But a person that believes, that can throw their ego aside, even for a moment, is a person that begins to know what life can be like. We're going to ask these interns this year to lay their lives down. Put your ego aside. And we better be modeling it for them. I better be modeling that. We better live in, in humility. And when we do, it allows Jesus to be exalted in our midst. So let's pray this prayer. Just as I lead us, Lord, you came and you found us when we were disjointed. We were enemies with you and we were enemies with each other. And Lord, we come in here tonight in broken relationships with people and we've asserted our own rights and we've been unforgiving Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you want to move in us to open us up. We know it's your strength. We just affirm that it's your love in us. It's your life, resurrected power flowing through us, as we sang earlier. And Lord, I pray that however you lead us, and I think of the every day, hundreds of movements of Jesus, of the people of Kensington here and around the world, that you would lead us in unity, the unity that says we're going to love each other radically and recklessly. Danny's going to talk about that in a minute. I can't wait to just see that unfold as we just cap off this night. But Lord, let us love and serve you by your power in unity. And where there's a broken relationship, give us the courage and the strength to step into the tunnel of chaos with people, to hear truth that we may, may not want to hear or may not agree with, but to live in humility with each other. This would be such a witness to the world. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, yeah. amen. All right, great. Okay. <laughs> Sit down one second. Uh, go ahead and have a seat one second. Uh, have a seat one second. The, the staff can stay up here. I, I just want you to come behind the interns. We're going to do one more prayer uh, for the interns. I want to I tell you something that is, it may sound... Not believable to you. But every May, for years now, we release an intern class. And when May hits, the air completely leaves the building. Because there's something that God has done in Kensington for the last years through interns, through their willingness to, because they're thrown right into the, into the fire of serving and leading and caring. Andrea Gibbs right here is just has done a fantastic job. She picked up from so grateful for her and for the for the heritage of the other Liz Harfield and the others that have led this program through the years. And uh, we just really believe this is a special group that God's going to be working powerfully. And I wanted just to lock, keep lock arms again, and uh, just don't sweat on me this time, okay? And I'm going to pray one more time, Lord. Um, do more than any of these interns can ask or imagine this year in their life by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, rolling, moving, working in them and through them. Give them failures. 
which lead them to greater willpower and stamina, give them victories that they deflect and recognize are only possible through the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for this great evening to celebrate all that you're doing and the fact that you called us together. None of us deserved it, but you did it anyway. We thank you in Jesus' name. Work powerfully, and uh, thank you for all that are supporting these guys, these beautiful men and women, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, great. Woo, take over. Woo. All right, so Amen. here's what we're gonna do. Uh, we are gonna give you guys 20 minutes 20-minute break to go get more pie, finish it off. I can't take any home. A water, quick break, and we will come back for session two. All right? Woo!